everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Canadian Podcast. We're fortunate to be coming to you again from the Dairy Farmers of Canada Annual Policy Conference in Ottawa, and I'm here in person with Andrew. Andrew, how are you? You know what? I am great. I actually really enjoy this conference because it gets to the heart of a lot of important issues that I think for us as dairy producers and an entire dairy industry, um, you know, just, just need to be mindful of and just need to kind of have our eyes set on, um, you know, whether that is in, you know, new technology, whether that's in consumer habits. Um, today, though, is in, like, you know, market outlooks. What's it look like for us as producers in terms of, are we going to have a market? How big does that market look like? Yeah, it's a crazy, all the, uh, you know, we feel some uncertainty on the farm and looking at things, what's happening in the world right now. You come here and you see some of the speakers that are on the list and just get to go home with something new in your mind about what's happening elsewhere in the world, what's happening in markets throughout nationally and elsewhere. And it's just pretty neat to go home with some different perspective on what you've got going on the farm. It is. And so that's what today's episode is all about, is what's that market outlook look domestically and what's it look globally? Our guest now is Chief Executive Officer at Jira. He has led numerous strategic consulting and research assignments throughout the food chain. He also oversees all of Jira's consulting activities in the dairy sector. He created the Jira Dairy Club 13 years ago, whose members now include 25 of the world's largest dairies, including some Canadian companies. Christophe Lafage, welcome to the Canadian Podcast. Thank you very much. It was a fantastic presentation you gave here at the annual policy conference. Um, and, and I want to kind of pull apart a few things. Okay. Um, you, you had the room on the edge of its seat because I think your perspective of global dairy um, really is fascinating. Here in Canada, I know, you know producers in, in our area really do have a focus and want to see growth in the market. That's what they'd really love to see. Your presentation showed, you know, kind of a percent and a half growth here in Canada over the next few years in production. Um, can you tell me how we compare to other countries? What's the global perspective of production growth look like? Right. Um, I think you, uh, you, you will be able to grow your bill collection. I think the data is around 1.3, 1.5% per year for the next five years. And uh, that's compared more or less to what the U.S. would be able to do for the next five years. We're also in the range of 1.3% per year. But you need to compare yourself also with countries like Europe, which for the moment uh, it's zero but will be negative, so below zero in the future. And look about New Zealand, also uh, another major country where the milk collection will also be below, below zero. So um, you are going to be, in, let's say, in the, the middle range of, of the countries. But um, you've got a higher potential than uh, only your 1.3%. And uh, maybe I can give an example. And I was in the U.S. last year speaking in front of, uh, uh, no, it was two years ago, speaking in front of uh, U.S. dairy farmers and dairy producers. And uh, they raised the question at the end, uh, asking me, Christoph, what, what is the best place to produce milk in the world for the future? And they were expecting me to say, yes, the U.S. And actually, my answer was Canada. And um, they were not happy at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got the invitation to come to Canada and not back to hey, the US. Exactly, yeah, yeah. No, but the key point is you've got everything here. you got from uh, green energy, from land, from, uh, from feed, uh, one of the best genetic in the world. You've got, you've got everything you need to grow your, your milk collection. 
Well, we like to hear those things. Tell us more. I'm curious about why we're seeing negative trends in other countries and what it is that Canada can really bring to the, to the game at this point, in your view. In, in, we, we are negative in, in Europe. We will be negative in Europe and close to zero in New Zealand because of environmental constraints. You need to remember that we've, uh, especially the EU, have signed uh, uh, some agreements by, that by 2050 will be net zero in terms of carbon footprint. And by 2030, we will be minus 30, 35%. So we need to engage into actions there. And um, one of the main actions is to reduce emission from agriculture. And uh, on the agricultural side, uh, dairy and, and beef, or it's a meat, uh, represent the, 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 biggest, the biggest share. So um, the only possibility to reduce um, these greenhouse gas emission will be by uh, having less animals, keeping these animals longer on the farm, and, uh, and, but there will be, at the end of the day, a reduction of, of, the milk, of the milk collection. So then that's the production side, what's actually coming off farm. Talk a little bit about demand and consumption. Is it the same trend that's going negative, or are we seeing growth as global population continues to grow? Okay, so yeah, you've got two different trends there. One is, um, let's start with the EU, where the, the growth of the consumption will also be negative. And we are a mature market, and uh, we're going to continue to eat more cheese, but uh, less butter, less liquid milk, etc. That is really a, a, a problem for the future. Uh, but on the other side, uh, we've got the US. We will continue to eat more and more dairy products. Canada will continue to eat more and more dairy products. And uh, so the, at world level, the growth will be in the range of 0.8 to 1% per year for the next five years in terms of uh, gross consumption. And uh, China will continue also to be big, but the question is where the milk will come from for China. So if you're watching the news at all right now, and you touched on this in your presentation, but there's a lot of unrest, tumultuous times for agriculture in Europe, and you mentioned something about hope. Maybe even said there's no hope um, anymore for European agriculture. Where does that come from? Like, What's the, the situation driving that? I think we've got a problem. The, one of the major problems in the EU is... Uh, there is a major difference between Canada and the EU. Is in Canada, you are proud of your producers. We are not. And we are blaming them for most of the problem we've got in terms of pollution, in terms of uh, climate change, in terms, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the problem is, it's easy to blame these guys and uh, because they represent less and less in terms of total population. They are less powerful than in the past. And, uh, and, but we are really blaming uh, our farmers for everything's happening in Europe. We are not proud of our farmers. And I think that, that, that's the key point. And the second point is the, um, in terms of uh, uh, money or let's say uh, revenue, uh, it's pretty low compared to uh, what, what your system allowed to have. And uh, you've got, from my point of view, you've got a great system. And uh, can you tell, a European saying that, my God. But uh, it's, you, you've got a great system will really bring stability. And, uh, and the pressure in Canada is more relying on the head of the processor, where in Europe is in the head of, of the, the producers. That, that, that's really the point. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about that, that pride that Canadians have for farmers, it's something we could, I think, continue to talk about a whole bunch on this. Yes. But one of the other things you actually brought up in your presentation, and you even mentioned it now, that, that consumers are going to eat more dairy. Mm -hmm. um, you made the comment, and the line was along the lines of, we've lost the war on getting people to drink milk. Um, we need people to eat dairy instead. Um, can you talk about what those numbers look like in terms of where that decline in fluid 
um, milk is and, and the increase in things like, you mentioned cheese having a lot of potential. Yeah, let's start with liquid milk. Liquid milk, it's, uh, it's a lost war because we've been losing ground for the last 15 or 20 years in more or less every, let's say, developed countries, uh, Canada, US, and the EU. The interesting point is the, uh, in the US is massive. For the next five years, we will lose uh, close to 1.5, 1.8 billion liters of milk of non-consumption through the liquid uh, sector. Where in the EU, it's uh, interesting because we are still losing ground, but less than before. Because the consumer now, with the um, finding that the taste of milk is good, whole milk, for example, is going up again. That is interesting. The uh, half, half fat or low fat is uh, it's a disaster. Whole milk is going well. Um, the, uh, also, everything linked to the lactose-free seems to go as well. Organic is a disaster in Europe, but uh, A2 is starting to grow in Europe, and, and also what is growing in Europe is uh, grass-fed, because this is very simple to understand. Organic is difficult to understand. Grass-fed, easy. Cows outside. So, uh, my, my feeling is the we will not go back to positive uh, world anymore on the liquid side, but there will be some pocket of growth, uh, as we've seen in Canada, we've seen also in the US and, and in the uh, EU. And if I think about what I see in my pantry at home and in my fridge, I think it's totally right that we, we as a generation even are enjoying more to eat milk, to use different types of ingredients. And you talked about that, about the tremendous potential for dairy in ingredients themselves. So as nutritional and functional foods, we're big on protein for adult nutrition. How much potential are we talking about globally? And how do you think that fits for Canada in terms of using those components of the milk? The, first of all, the, I think as a whole, uh, the, um, every kind of dairy products is going to be used more and more as an ingredient. We can talk about cheese. Cheese on a pizza is an ingredient. Cheese on a burger is an ingredient. And we will not eat cheese as it is as much as we used in the past, but it will be much more through the ingredient sector. Same thing for butter. Uh, we are producing cakes, croissant, whatever. Uh, same thing for liquid milk. What, what, the interesting point is why we are still having a decline, but not as much as we used to have. It's because we've got all of this cappuccino, latte, and whatever you want, and uh, that uses quite a lot of milk. And um, so that, that, that is one point. Ingredients, the, uh, the ingredients will continue to drive the market, let's say, the ingredient sector. Uh, when you talk about technical dairy ingredients, so it uh, goes to the uh, dairy, um, dairy proteins, so to the whey proteins, etc. Um, what drives the market there is uh, the, uh, call it adult nutrition as a whole, based on uh, sport nutrition, day-to-day uh, -day nutrition, uh, could be also elderly nutrition, medical nutrition, and all of these sectors needs more proteins. And protein is the base uh, of, of the development of this sector, and they need good quality proteins for the future. And uh, so that, that is one point. Where, how does that fit with, with Canada? I think on the Canadian, uh, on the Canadian market, um, there, were, there is a need to have new investment on the ingredient sector uh, in, in Canada. That will come. And um, you are going to be able to produce uh, great quality, because brand new plants, etc., of uh, mainly milk proteins. So you take out the fat, and then you, you, you go for the, uh, for the uh, skim milk, and then you produce your proteins. And um, that can be exported. And I think the key point is here. If you go for MCI, MPI, so meaning the 90 plus concentration, uh, these are allowed in terms of export. Okay, don't say it too loudly, and, uh, but this is allowed to be exported. And, but the interesting point is, the Canadian market needs more. And uh, you need to catch up 
uh, on the other market in terms of usage of proteins in a lot of products and uh, more R&D, more NPD, et cetera, for, for the future. So that's how Canada fits into the, uh, the image. Well, it's really encouraging. I think before I had met you previously and we talked about the cracking of milk and different components and it's hard to even imagine that there's all these different parts, but making the best use of them is so important for our country. Before you wrapped up, you also touched on plant-based products. Can you give us a little bit just before we finish off about um, how you see that market evolving in Canada um, in the context of all the things we just talked about? It's first of all, I just want to go back, uh, I don't know, 10 years or something, and uh, where everybody was thinking at that time that the dairy market will be killed by the plant-based and uh, it's going to be a disaster for the dairy products, etc. And actually, it's exactly the contrary. And um, so that is, that is a, f- a very important point. Plant-based has developed. There is a market for plant-based products. And um, because the new generation, as you were saying before, and I'm sure that in your fridge, uh, you've got uh, maybe oat milk, uh, you've got maybe soya milk, you might have whatever plus liquid milk because of uh, various applications uh, which need, uh, for, I don't know, for a smoothie, some kind of stuff, for a cappuccino, another one, etc., etc. We've got a market uh, which has not been cannibalized by, by, the, uh, by the plant-based and uh, actually have been growing uh, with the plant-based. And plant-based, for me, is an extension of, of the dairy cabinet. And the proof of that is most of the dairy processors are having their own plant-based uh, products. So that, that is one point. In terms of the future, we, we tend to see that these markets are mature now. Uh, so uh, also in Canada, in the uh, US, in the EU, we, we've, we, on, on the normal life cycle uh, um, curves, and you are on the top now uh, for this market, especially on the liquid one, and uh, the only possibility, as you know, is either you uh, find new solutions and then you can grow again. Otherwise, the market will decrease uh, gently, but will decrease. And um, so what will be the next generation of uh, liquid? For example, with potatoes, we see some product with potatoes uh, in Europe, for example, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But we need to, uh, to find a new, new solution there. Otherwise, it's going to have exactly like for liquid and for liquid milk uh, will go down. Well, it's also interesting, and I think if there's a takeaway for me, it's just the the thought of hope that there is so much hope in the variety of things that we could do in Canada and the opportunities that lie ahead of us um, if we change our thinking about about what milk and its components can be used for. So, Christophe Lefeuchere, I'd like to really thank you for joining us on the podcast, um, and I think we could do a whole episode. So, please, uh, if you want to come back again, please do. We'd love to speak with you again. Thank you very much, and. Uh... A lot of hope for the uh, Canadian dairy industry, so a lot of hope. Thank you very much. Meet a Canadian dairy farmer. Planting one tree, then hundreds more. To naturally purify the air. Preserving wildflowers for pollinators. And nurturing wetlands for healthier soil. So wildlife can prosper. Biodiversity is in our nature. Working towards a sustainable future. That's Dairy Farming Forward. We're in! Our guest is an economist specializing in the agricultural sector. He is lead of policy analysis at Dairy Farmers of Canada. Maxim studied agricultural economics at Laval University, where he earned a bachelor's and master's degree. 
He also holds a diploma in animal food production from the Institute of Agri-Food Technology. And we're just chatting here. I understand he also grew up on a dairy farm. Maxime Collette, welcome to the Canadian podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a real pleasure. I'm really excited uh, of the opportunity here. Yeah. Maxim, welcome. It is great to have you and your presentation at the annual policy conference. I mean, I love looking at this market stuff. Like you were a highlight for me in the day. Um, so, so let's let's kind of break this out a little bit. One of the big stats, and this is one that you know we've heard a lot, is there's a lot of new Canadians. Um, you know, over a million have come in the last year. Um, that's got to have some impact on dairy. What's the impact? Yeah, it is true that in the la in 2023, the the growth rate of population was way more than we used to see in, during the pre-pandemic years. Uh, in fact, the last time we observed like as significant growth, it's in the end of 1950s. So it's been a while. In fact, during that uh, decade, it was the population was estimated at 17 million Canadians. So it, it, it's 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 been a couple of years. So. More growth in terms of population, it's more mouth to feed, which is a good thing for sales of dairy products because you have to produce more to feed that people. So this is always a positive thing when the population grew at higher rate because it means more production for us, for the dairy farmers, yeah. So what about consumption patterns when it comes to this? Can you say what factors are influencing what they're actually purchasing and eating at the store? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, as you know, uh, we are in, in high food inflation, uh, like in the recent two years. So uh, the consumer had to deal with that. And the increase in terms of food price was higher than the increase in terms of personal income, that, which is disposable in this case. So they have to like manage in a different way, consume a little bit different to you know deal with that food inflation that is uh, increasing a higher rate than the uh, the personal income. So what we have observed in 2023 is really uh, really a consumer that buy more items on on discount. Um, the the shift towards uh, products that are lower in terms of prices as well, and um, less food waste in order to you know, try to manage your food expenditure. And um, so we have observed those trends uh, on the food expenditure, and this affected as well dairy, because at the end of the day, when we look at the per capita consumption, we see like uh, a decrease in terms of per capita consumption or personal consumption, uh, except for yogurt. So that's the only product that we observe an increase. But as I was saying earlier, uh, the strong population growth helped to you know, bring the total sales in the positive area. So less cons personal consumption, a decrease. However, more people to feed. So at the end of the day, it's an increase in terms of sales for most of the dairy products, except for butter that uh, even with the population increase, uh, we observe like um, a decrease in terms of uh, total sales. 
There's a lot to unpack in there because you've got yeah. you know, the retail, the food inflation, yeah, 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 yeah. the consumer yeah. um, you know, habits. Yeah. Um, I want to break out a couple of those quick in just in terms of, first of all, I, I want to touch on your experience because you've been doing this for, you're coming up to 10 years now. Um, give me a sense, like we've seen that decline in per capita consumption. Um, do we think we come out of that over time or what's the impact of okay. food inflation and how does it compare with other foods? Okay, that's a good question. Um, the per capita consumption diminution it's more observed in 2023 because of the high inflation uh, in terms of food prices. So, so this is really specific to the year 2023. But on the long term, it, there is an increase in terms of consumption per capita uh, for yogurt, uh, cheese, and uh, cream as well. So those products are really going well in terms of per capita consumption on the long term. But if we really focus on the last year, given the, the food inflationary context, uh, we have observed a, a decrease uh, for 2023. So, um, yeah. And, and does butter bounce back? Because it's been the one that's kind of fallen the hardest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So as I was saying, the, uh, that's a product that has um, like more competitors so uh, margarine, uh, vegetable oil, uh, canola oil, and uh, shorteners, things like that. So that products in that category of different fat uh, products has a higher price. And in this inflationary, high inflationary context, um, that was that hurt the, the butter uh, in terms of because people decided to shift towards. Uh, other type of products that are lower in terms of prices. But on the long term per capita, it's a product that was going well, and it's really in, in the specific context of 2023 that we observe like uh, an important decline. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because I think when we think about plant-based products in the store, the first one that comes to mind is not really butter. We think about all these other competitors um, potentially or different types of products in the grocery store. There's a whole mixture of things. How is plant-based beverage and the emergence of those types of things affecting milk sales specifically? Yeah, it's a product that uh, we have um, sales on sense information at the retail level. And we've been observing like an increase from 2000, like the beginning of, of the data. So 2013 here to 2022, an increase in the reserve market share. But in, for the first time in 2023, we observed a contraction in the market share for plant-based beverages. So it's really related to the fluid inflation situation and the average price for plant-based beverages is higher than milk. So here consumers are trying to you know, manage their food budget in order to, to arrive at the end of the day. And so that was an impact, uh, higher prices. We observe a shift towards milk. And milky, it is uh, on average in 2023, it was $1.98 uh, per liter on average, while plant based beverages is $247 per liter. So, uh, this is significant in terms of uh, difference. So, so, this is a good thing for, our, uh, for the milk category. Uh, I mean, to see that contraction, it's more market share, market share uh, gain here for us. So, uh, yeah, that's the latest uh, observation. And it's not only observed at the retail, we, we saw that contraction in the HRI, which is the hotel, restaurant, institution market. 
So um, this is, uh, I'm really looking forward to see like in 2024, 2025, if we continue to see that contraction, but so far it's, uh, it's a good news. Yeah, it's good news for us. Then when you talk about 2024 into 2025, you've, you've mentioned how impactful yeah. pricing can be. Yeah. Um, what's retail pricing look like going into okay. 2024, 25? That's a good question. Uh, we, we analyzed the December data. So we see a, 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 like a decrease in terms of pace. Uh, I mean, a slowdown in terms of pace. So food are now at 5% instead of 7.5 for the average of 2023. And dairy product is now at 3.5% instead of 6.5% for the average of 2023. So in December, uh, dairy products at 3.5 is close to the overall inflation that is at 3.4. So we see that there is a slowdown in terms of food inflation and even like the overall inflation, which is a good thing. So it's less pressure uh, on the consumer and um, and it's going to be a good news probably in 2024. Yeah, so it, I mean, it's heading towards like better, better uh, sunny day, better sunny days, if I can say more, it like that. Consumers are just going to be more comfortable. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how about in comparison to our neighbors to the south? I mean, I know, I know these yeah. uh, comparisons are always made. Um, we're always a little bit concerned as farmers about it being infinitely cheaper and everyone wanting to, to chase down those products. Can you tell us, um, is it actually true? Are things cheaper in the States? Yeah, it's a myth that always uh, stays because just people are just looking at the price in the US on the shelf without doing the conversion. So of, of course, when we look at the US price on the shelf at the retail, it's gonna be, it, it will seems to be lower. But when you do the conversion and uh, in Canadian dollar and then you compare the similar products, it depends. Uh, like some products are cheaper in Canada, such as cream. In 2023, uh, cream, refrigerated yogurt, and butter were cheaper in Canada compared to the US. And I mean, the, um, the American production is 11 times ours. So they have the economy of scale, but at the end, and the, the work in liberalized market. And uh, at the end of the day, our consumers are, pay, are paying on, like a price that is higher for those dairy products than in Canada. So at the end of the day, supply managed system doesn't bring higher price for Canadian because when you compare against a liberalized market, we see that Canadians are paying a lower price for dairy products that are under supply management, such as cream, refrigerated yogurt, and butter. So, um, which is a good thing for a consumer. Yeah. Then just lastly, and you can get back to the conference, um, one of the other things you talked about was imports, because obviously we've had, um, you know, with Kuzma and with CPTPP and with CEDA and with all these other deals, yeah. you know, this, this evolution of more and more imports. Um, give me an idea what that picture looks like. Are we kind of near the top of where imports are likely going to be, or, or what's the impact for producers going to be in the next couple of years? That's a good question. So in, in terms of market access, uh, um, it has been increasing, but the, the growth rate is slowing down. So, so, because this is explained by the fact that some free trade agreement are reaching, uh, has reached the maturity in terms of market access. So in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, market access in, in the CEDA agreement, um, the maturity of the concession or the market access has been reached in 2022. So since 
that here, it's the same level of access uh, uh, given to that uh, in that free trade agreement. Um, for CPTPP, the, the maturity of the access will be reached in, uh, I mean, in last year, so 2023, then it's going to be a, a really a slower growth. Or we are talking about 1% a year, so for the market access. Cosma, the, I would say the, it's will be near maturity in 2025, then it's going to be the mechanic, is, it's a growth of 1%. So, when we look at the access overall, we see that yes, it's increasing, but it's see, we see that the growth rate is declining. Uh, it's not declining, but slowing down, and uh, which is a good thing because it's going to be more stable in terms of market access in the future. Because of yeah. those imports, um, you know, when we talk about population growth, has that kind of made it just? you know, flat for us as producers when that population growth, we've seen the increase in just demand. Imports have just kind of filled that the last few years. Uh, I mean, the, the, the production has been increasing, so we are able to, like, capitalize on the growth as well. Um, but uh, if, I mean, the level of import is um, more stable in terms of market access, of course, we're going to be more able to capitalize on the population growth in the future. But still, the import is hurting us, so that's a market that's been conceded. So that milk that could have been produced by our farmers. So at the end, it's hurting. But knowing that we're going to reach like a certain level of maturity is, is better for us to anticipate the, anticipate the level of imports and then adjust the production accordingly to the demand, yeah. Well, it's fascinating yeah. stuff, Maxim. Um, if producers who are listening to us right now want to have more access to this side of uh, the work that you do at DFC, where could they find that? We have um, a quarterly scheme available. And uh, this is like a review of the market. We put other stuff, such as the evolution of the imports. And we write about the, the conception uh, as well. So uh, quarterly scheme that is available and uh, that provides a good glimpse of the market trend and uh, more the economic side of the dairy industry. So it's available once a quarter. Uh, I mean, quarterly scheme. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> well, this probably won't yeah. be the last yeah. year from us. There's so much yeah, to yeah. talk about. So in the Dairy Express as well, the, the app, so there, there are some content available uh, as well. So. Oh, awesome. Thanks for making the time to talk with us today. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's real, uh, it was a real pleasure. Yeah. Well, Sarah, I think when you look at both kind of the domestic outlook, it's always interesting to hear from Maxime. He's got lots of experience in this area, but then to hear that global perspective too and what might be possible, it, it leaves me pretty optimistic where, where we could be with the dairy market in the next few years. Yes, there is an awful lot to think about, but I think in terms of the opportunities as well as the positioning of our country, we're really kind of prepared, you know, to head into this space. And I think we're, we've got a lot to look forward to. We certainly do. So if you have liked this episode, you can give us a follow on Facebook and on Twitter. And make sure if you give us a like with your favorite streaming platform to check us out at the Canadian PodCow YouTube channel. Mostly you can hear us, but sometimes you can even see us. Not today. If you have comments or suggestions, please drop us a note at podcast at canadianpodcow.ca. And again, we would like to give a huge thanks to our sponsor, the Dairy Farmers of Canada, and of course, to our wonderful production team who do a great job of making us sound fantastic, Bruce Sargent and Carl Bailoff.